0: Welcome to a special edition of the Portically Yours podcast. I'm Yvonne Boones. For the past few years, this segment has showcased poems from Northern Illinois writers and a few from other states. Portically Yours has given you glances of the poets, but it doesn't allow you to hear the depth of these artists. This special segment will do just that. It will serve as a backdrop for this weekly series. This month's featured poet is Bear Wolf. Bear is a spoken word artist, teacher, author, and many other things. Wolf talks about the light and dark side of life. In this episode, he shares some very personal information about himself and how poetry saved his life. Take a listen. All right, Bear, um, thank you so much for being a part of the Poetically Yours Extended podcast. But um, I want to jump right into it. And the first question I'm going to ask is, when were you seduced by poetry?
1: Wow. Um, really early, like really early. I remember I started reading and writing at like the age of four. Um, I mean, it was like little stories about, you know, monsters coming out of the sun and things like that. So like it was nothing epic by any means. But uh, um, but I mean, I was always drawn to it. Always. And like music, like as young as I can remember, I was singing along with the radio. And, you know, so it's kind of been part of my DNA. Um, And then in second grade, um, I had, there was an assignment. It was our first assignment, our first actual poetry assignment. And uh, the assignment was to bring in your favorite poem and read it to the class. And apparently I misunderstood the assignment because everyone else was bringing in stuff from like Sesame Street and Dr. Seuss. And I brought it, I wrote a poem because I thought the assignment was to write a poem. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't hear it right. I don't know. Um, But the the teacher like freaked out and she framed it and she put it on the wall and she said she called me a poet. And from that moment forward, I was born. (laughs)
0: So what were your next, what were your next creative endeavors after that? Like after you went to school and your teacher was excited about the work you were doing, where did you go from there?
1: Um, I probably didn't do much until junior high. Uh, in junior high I started writing silly love songs for girls because you know, I was a boy in junior high (laughs) and, uh, so, but I mean, even when I was like six, seven, eight years old, I was always writing down the lyrics of songs that I love that I listened to and I sang. And so, I mean, I was always writing, even when it wasn't my words, I was writing something. Um, and it just kind of morphed into, you know, writing silly songs when I was in junior high. And then in high school, I was in a, a, in a eighties hair metal band And uh, so I wrote, uh, you know, typical songs like, you know, we're going to party all night and rock and roll all day and stuff like that, you know. Um, But I didn't really take it seriously, seriously, probably until college um, when I started reading. Uh, And it wasn't I was never a fan of like the classics like Shakespeare and all the stuff that we had to learn in school. I just was not a fan. But then I had my first Cult, multicultural, multi-ethnic literature class and that's when I first heard the voices of like um, uh, Joy Harjo it's the first time I read uh, Sonia um, uh, oh man, my memory okay. is not uh, were yes. you thinking
0: Sonia Sanchez? Um, okay
1: yes, yes uh, it's first time, you know, it was my first time reading all of these poets uh, Michael Weaver and um a Mary Baraka and I was just like oh my god like what is this and then that opened up a whole new world for me and then I just I had a in a senior year of high school I had a civics teacher back when we still had that class um before the GOP got scared of it and got it out of our curriculum um and social justice just became a part of me too so at the same time that I was discovering this multicultural literature, I was discovering social justice. So those two roads coming together at the same time, that's pretty much what did it for me. And then after that, I, that's, that's the direction all my stuff started going in after that.
0: So you named a couple of artists. Tell me what about their work grabbed
1: you. It was honest. It was genuine. It was real. Um, It wasn't, you know, it wasn't how do I compare thee to a rose or You know, it wasn't um, even like Dante's Inferno. While it was an interesting twist on things, it's just you know these these writers did it because they liked to hear themselves talk. Whereas these writers that I was reading, they did it because they had something to say, and it was so different for you know for my experience from this Eurocentric you know curriculum that we're all forced to grow up in, and and then what really probably solidified it was when I discovered Sherman Alexie and Ani DeFranco like those that that was after that I was <laughs> so but you, it was genuine it was honest it was real it, it was things that were actually happening you know you
0: talked about writing songs where did the musical background come from
1: uh I always again like I knew in like fifth sixth grade junior high i wanted to be a rock star like i just i knew that's what i was destined to be um and i really tried to play guitar but i just wasn't that great at it uh and then i actually was at my guitar teacher's class um and i was waiting for my mother to come pick me up and i sat down and i was just messing around the drum set and my guitar teacher asked me how long have you been playing drums i'm like i don't he's like yeah you do (laughs) and i was like what so he directed me towards, you know, maybe you should try drums instead of guitar. And I was just a natural at drums. So that was, again, so that just kind of, it all came together at the same time. Because I was like junior high as well. And then my friend just happened to have his dad happened to have his old drum set in the crawl space they were using. So I was like, well, can I borrow that? And then, so I just played all the time.
0: Now, when I met you um, there, I believe it was at a workshop at Kishwaukee College um, right before the Mm -hmm. pandemic. I think it was in March. I think it was maybe a week before the shutdown. It wasn't that long before things got shut down and you were taking part in a slam poetry type workshop. Tell me, how did you get involved with teaching poetry? And why do you think it's so important to just make sure that
1: young people understand this art? Um, well, I knew, I knew fairly early that I wanted to be a teacher because I had a pretty rough childhood and the, the positive, the positive adult role models in my life were my teachers. Um, you know, like that second grade teacher who called me a poet. Uh, I had a a junior high teacher who got me out of a required math class so that I could star in the Christmas play. Um, you know, so these teachers saw the creativity in me and the performer in me and they nurtured it. And I knew that I, I had to do that for other people, the way that they had done that for me, because no one in my immediate family was doing that. Nobody in my extended family was doing that. And I knew that there had to be other kids everywhere that are going through the same thing. And so, uh, and then, of course, Dead Poets' Side came out. And I, that was, when I saw that movie, I was like, yes, that's exactly what it was like. That is why we need to do this. Because we can have as many doctors and lawyers and business managers as we want. But if they don't understand the human soul and the human spirit and the human experience, then they're not going to be able to apply what they're doing to human beings. And, you know, to to be able to wake up that up in someone's soul when other role models in their life are trying to stifle that, I felt that since that had been done for me, I had to do that for other people as well. And, and I took, I majored in all kinds, I majored in math, I majored in psychology, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do until my counselor was like, well, you're like three semesters away from an English degree. I'm like, really? Because I was just taking, I was taking all the living classes. I was taking all the writing classes. I'd like to do that. So again, it just kind of happened organically.
0: Um, Now, can you tell me, did you actually get a degree in English?
1: Oh, yeah. I have, my bachelor's degree is in um, English with emphasis in multicultural literature. And my master's degree is in creative writing with a minor in Native American studies.
0: Now, tell me, how did poetry change your
1: life? uh it did more than change my life it saved my life um i like many people struggle with a lot of darkness um uh like many creatives we struggle with our own inner darkness we struggle with the darkness that we see everywhere that reminds us of our inner darkness um but it seems like the most creative darkest people are the ones who are searching for the light the most and I feel that um, I totally forgot what the question was because I got really deep there. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah,
0: you. I I asked you about poetry changing your life, and you were saying that it did okay. change your life, and then you started talking about how it saved your life.
1: So, um, so uh, I mean, you know, like many creatives, I had to. I it was an imperative. I I had something in me that had to get out, um, and. When I saw again music, poetry, and drama because I was I was a I was a theater kid too, um, you know the, the the performing arts the that that was always I was always drawn to that so I always knew that that was the the quickest window into the human condition is are the performing arts I mean they really are and two and a half years ago actually. Uh, right about the time we met when the pandemic you know right before the pandemic hit I was actually in you know, a entering a really bad space like I lost everything I lost my business I lost I lost my home I lost my job I lost just all kinds of things happened at once and I was struggling with my mental health because of some things that happened over the few years previous to that and I was ready to be done I was honestly like was ready to be done and honestly the only thing that stopped me is because i didn't want anyone else to have to clean it up um but then i discovered online poetry because the pandemic happened and forced all of these open mics and all these poetry venues online And so now all of a sudden I'm doing poetry in New York and India and California. And, you know, even though I'm struggling in this little room in my friend's house in Rochelle, Illinois, I'm meeting all of these like-minded people. I'm, it, it became the greatest support network I've ever had. And, you know, now instead of ending it all, I wrote two books, I put two CDs together. I'm working on another one. Like that's, Poetry is real. Poetry saves lives. Poetry is suicide prevention. Oh, wow. I know I'm not the only person to say that.
0: Wow. I wasn't ready or thinking I would hear that this afternoon, but um, this is why I'm doing this podcast, because people need to really see the soul behind the poet. Now, I know that you were working um, on a project where there are some videos on YouTube. Tell me more about that.
1: Uh yes. Uh I'm actually honestly really super proud of this. Uh it's called Hearing Marginalized Voices Through Poetry. And uh it started out as um at Kishwaukee College, the Intercultural Center. We had we had just opened the Intercultural Center. And um uh who is an amazing dean there. He's uh he was a, he's a sociology teacher. He's now I think the assistant dean of instruction. Um the amazing individual, um, him uh, and Graciela were uh, managing the Intercultural Center and they were looking to do events. And I suggested, well, since since this whole Zoom verse had happened and we were doing poetry online, I was like, I have poets that I can put together a program and have poets from California and New York and all these places here at Kishwaukee College but i would like to at least compensate them something for their time you know we don't have to pay for travel or anything now so you know so they found a budget and they worked it out and it started there and i carried it over now to where i'm at san diego miramar college um and so instead of you know quite quite often in our new world where things can be pushed in both ways too far sometimes i think that diversity and equity become a game to prove that we're doing it sometimes. Uh, And I didn't want to just check boxes. I wanted to do something, like I said before, with what I heard from the poetry, I want to do something real. I wanted to do something that mattered. I wanted to do something that, that would help someone, that would change something. And so I put together like a lesson plan and a PowerPoint that talks about the cultures and why poetry is important to the cultures. you know, for many of these cultures, when we look at Latinx cultures, when we look at, you know, AAPI cultures, when we look at um, Native American cultures, even deaf cultures, they're all very language oriented, very oral tradition. Um, So it's just natural that poetry would become the next step in that. So the purpose of this program was to show that, Marginalized voices use poetry in a very different way. And it's a way to reach out to other people so that you can understand that you're not alone in the struggle of equality and, and equity where we're living. And so it worked really well because I had several students so far from both colleges who said that these poets spoke to them and you know they never thought that, they never even considered poetry until they saw these events. Um, there were a couple kids on the basketball team at Kish who just happened to see uh, the Black Heritage one where we featured Billy Tuggle and Stacey Dyson, And uh, they were just in their counselor's office and their counselors was watching it. And they said that they were just blown away. They never thought that they would see something like that at Kishwaukee College, something oh. that spoke to them, like specifically. Oh. And so, so I'm pretty proud of that program. I am continuing
0: that at the college i am at. Oh, cool. Now, I want to take a moment and have you recite some poetry. So I'm not going to tell you what subject or whatever you knew that was coming. Whatever you feel like doing, long, short, I want to make sure that we capture that. So take your time. And I get excited because it never fails. Whenever I ask a poet to recite some poetry, they're always ready.
1: Well, I do, I, just, I actually just happen to be, that's part of the trip I'm on, is I'm doing poetry, like, all over. Like, I've in the last couple of weeks, I've done poetry in L.A., I did poetry up in Humboldt County, uh, I just did poetry in Berkeley and San Francisco. Uh, I got a couple more shows coming up this week, so I'll read you a couple of poems, one from each book. I have two okay. books out. Uh, the first book is called 2020 Division, 2020 Division. The second book is called Word Tornadoes. And uh, you can find that on my social media links and stuff. Um, So I'll read a couple of short pieces from the first book, 2020 Division. Uh, This is the title piece. I really just don't know what to say anymore. I thought for sure the world would be better than this. But I guess I was wrong. Time to go write another song. You see, this world makes no sense to me. So I make music and poetry. Uh, This is called Penny Wisdom Copper Thought. Why does it seem like those who make no sense always seem to be the first to put their two cents in? From what I can see, there are only three true shortages in this world. Humanity, compassion, and common sense. We owe this planet a recompense. Uh, And then love. Gotta have love, right? So um, I haven't always had the best. uh, I haven't always had the best luck with love. So here we go. This is called, uh, I got the cell phone ringtone blues. I just had to look when you weren't looking. Ill advised, perhaps unwise, but I just had to see the lies with mine own eyes. Twould seem that sometimes stardust is not in fact forever. It's probably pointless, but I wanted you to know you're leaving me with quite the heartache in my soul. You were always my volcano, but I was just your smoke and ash.
0: Oh wow, those are all wonderful. And you said you're you're not a big fan of Shakespeare, but that, that last poem started out very like William Shakespeare,
1: <laughs> there is no denying his influence and his mastery of language. I just got really kind of bored with his material. <laughs> oh but, my goodness! What about um,
0: Edgar Allan Poe? That's another one that, like, I have a big Shakespeare book and then I have the big Edgar Allan Poe book.
1: I I love Poe for what he did. Uh, he created an entire genre. Um, and I do love his short stories and his poetry, but he do, he, he did like to hear himself speak as well. <laughs> so so like, he, he was could be a bit low. But 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 I like that. Like his poetry to me at least felt more directly from the soul. Um, you know Shakespeare. He was he was a performer too. Like he was a you know so a lot of his stuff was. Yeah, you know, he was like their their version of um Manuel Emmanuel, the guy who did Hamilton. Like yeah, I, I see him as modern day Shakespeare. Like I definitely see him as a modern day Shakespeare. Absolutely. You know. Um now,
0: speaking of perform can... go ahead, Bear.
1: Well,
0: go ahead. Now, I was gonna say, speaking of performing, I wanted to talk about um your slam poetry and that part of you. Like when you write, do you write poems specifically? specifically
1: slam Poetry? Uh, uh, my writing process is so random. The majority of everything I do is just like very organic. Um, you know, a lot of writers will tell you they have a process. Like they get up every day, they write in their journal for an hour. They do it, you know, first thing in the morning over coffee or the last thing before they go to bed. Or they have a journal next to their bed. So they write what they, you know, as soon as they wake up. Um, you know, I have, uh, there's an amazing um, poet that I just met on the road in Las Vegas, uh, AJ uh, Houston. He every day at 707. He has an IG podcast he does where he talks about writing. He talks about what the is going on, you know, things like that. me, it just, it hits me and I do it and then I edit it and see where it goes from there. So I kind of let the poems decide uh, if they're going to be slam pieces or not now i do have some pieces that are kind of both like i have some pieces that are like two or three page pieces that i've morphed into like one slam piece um so like it, it kind of goes back and forth uh but it just it really just depends on my state of mind and i do i go in cycles in my creative process too like I'll focus on music for a while and then that'll fall to the wayside and I'll focus on poetry for a while and that'll fall to the wayside. And like, I haven't been doing a lot of new stuff lately, but I've been uh, perfecting my performance. That's what I've been working on lately. So it's all very organic. It all just kind of happens when it happens. Um, When I used to live on the reservation out in South Dakota, we called it living around Indian time, just when, when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. (laughs) So
0: i I you know I never heard of that living on Indian time. I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to do that more um so tell me about your transition i, I know you moved to California. How long ago was
1: that? Uh, that was just in August um okay. and I just taught my first semester there and it was amazing. I was very well received uh by the students and faculty alike thats the it's the second or third fastest growing college in California, Southern California right now. What's the name Um, of it? uh, San Diego Miramar. It's for you trivia buffs out there. It's where they filmed the movie Top Gun. Um, But it's, it's really uh, the president, uh, Wesley. um, I can't remember his last name. I just, I always call him Wes because he's that kind of president. Like he's amazing. He's a great dude. He's really trying to um, open up the campus to be to, for diversity and equity. Like that one of the reasons that I was hired was to help develop Native American curriculum for the ethnic studies department. Um, And it's just, it's a fantastic, it's been an amazing transition. Like I, I, my life, I feel like I leveled up a few times.
0: (laughs) Oh, I found it. Wesley, am I saying this right? Lugberg.
1: Lundberg, yes, yes. Lundberg. Lundberg.
0: Okay, got it, got it. See I'm right here with Google. I can look things up for you. So Fantastic. I, now you're there teaching. What else are you doing there?
1: Uh poetry. Poetry, music and teaching. That's Similar to opinion. what
0: you were doing here.
1: Yes, absolutely. But instead, I'm doing it in San Diego by the beach where it's beautiful, and I'm getting paid really good money, and it's awesome.
0: (laughs) Now, is that the only difference, the scenery and the pay, or were there other differences that you've seen, even with the students teaching here versus teaching there? Well, how honest can I get? (laughs) Um, This is a podcast that will be... On the website it's not going to be on air. we still don't want to use for fantasy or anything, right, but right, right. I want it to be organic. I want people to know it. Have you seen a difference like this is your perception being a teacher Absolutely. here and teaching this art and then going somewhere else and teaching it um I just want to know what your experience is is it the same are, are people um the same when when they're learning this art or are they more creative in this area or is, is it the individual tell me what what have you seen being in both worlds
1: i honestly i mean california just by nature is much more progressive uh and much more equitable and has money for budgets (laughs) as far as just in general and i don't mean to offend anyone but the students in california are much more prepared than the students in illinois were like without a doubt Um, the students that I'm getting, even like the students who English isn't their first language, they're even still just more prepared. Um, you know, you still have the contingent. It's still, there's still that, that factor that's based on the individuals because you still have, you know, just like anywhere else, you have kids who don't know why they're there. They don't care to be there. They'd rather do other things. Or they come from a high school that didn't really expect much out of them, so they got away with stuff. And then they get to college and they find out they can't. Um, But, like, overall, California, at least the school that I'm at, the school itself seems to mean what it says more. And the students definitely seem better prepared for college.
0: And when you say they're better prepared, explain that to me.
1: So uh, as of right now, I've only taught composition classes here. Um, you have less closed-mindedness happening in California. I mean, in northern Illinois, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but there are a lot of very closed-minded people. And, and those people are in important positions. So that affects how education happens so you know and again you still have that in california but there's much more diversity there's much more of a of a a voice coming from all places instead of just a few uh and i think because of that students are are better prepared in the not just the basic skills but also in thought processes because they've been challenged before. whereas often I've noticed that the students that I was getting in Illinois weren't really challenged if they were of a certain race or culture, but then of other race and cultures, the assignments didn't make sense and such. So I don't want to go too far into it. People can understand what I'm saying, I'm sure. Uh, so so that's my honest answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. Thank you for being honest. I want to take another break and have you do some more poetry. Um, again, any subject that you would like. You know, I, I heard when you said you were lucky, you were not lucky in love. So I want to talk about that a little later. But go ahead and, and, and say some more poetry for me.
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you two pieces from. My newest book that just came out, Word Tornadoes. Um, I'll give you, this one is called Seeing Beauty in Person. Uh, This one's been published in a couple of places. It was featured uh, at Rockford, um, Women's Day uh, Poetry Reading, a couple other places. Seeing Beauty in Person. If beauty were a person, she would exist within infernos, the fiery passions of volcanic flows scorching the skies of mercury. If Beauty were a person, she would be clouded in mystery, a necessary protection from predators who seek to prey upon her inner Venus heat. If Beauty were a person, she would soar aloft as free as falcon flights, adrift on endless wind currents caressing the clouds of earth. If Beauty were a person, she would walk statuesque, solid mountain giant across vast moonscapes and valleys rivaling those of Mars. If Beauty were a person, she would loom larger than all, draped in gaseous forms that keep her veiled from the naked eye, released only in storms that ravage Jupiter's hidden landscape. If Beauty were a person, she would never have need for the rings of men. Her radiance would overcome their gravity, encircling the entirety of any Saturn. If Beauty were a person, her orbits would criss and cross without any type of loss, gaining only the courage and certainty of the planetary twins Uranus and Neptune. If Beauty were a person, there would be no debate. Frigid frozen fears would be dwarfed by her ability to be seen, no matter what any others may deem what she should be. Planetary, Plutonic or not, that is her decision, not yours. If beauty were a person, she would soul shine so brightly that all other versions would orbit around her, the center of all light and energy given freely so that all things could live in harmony. If beauty were a person, she would be you, you, you. One continuously spiraling celestial spirit, an entire solar system of passions, mystery, freedom, vast expanse, ravaging storms, radiance, and courage, deftly defying any definitions.
0: Wow, your poetry takes me on a journey. I feel like I've been around the world in just those few seconds. And I also, listen, it sounds like you you have a lot of alliteration in there. Is there a particular... um, Part of poetry that you love to use in your writing.
1: uh Actually, yeah, I was just talking about this. Uh, I like mid rhymes a lot because, especially in my slam poetry, because mid rhymes carry the spiral going, and actually, that's kind of how word tornadoes happen. Because when you when you have the mid rhyme, it kind of spirals your work, and so you get like this cyclone feel to it where you're surging and then pulling back and surging and pulling back where as you know, end rhymes get like, you know, wishy-washy and rhyme timey and um, you know, like different forms that have like couplets or uh, where you have sonnets that are A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, you know, they're cool little rhyme schemes, but I feel like the mid rhyme just keeps that, that fire going and keeps that spiral going. Um so and I also I I particularly like dynamics in poetry. Like I like to and when I teach actually the, one of the things that I teach is the power of using dynamic force in your poetry. So if you have this long, illustrious, beautiful line, then you hit them with like two words. And it's like it really pops, it jumps out, it makes them think, it makes them pause. Um so and one of the best one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was write like you mean it and read it like you wrote it and so when you're reading it, you have to remember you're not just reading words on a page or you're not just reading words off your phone. if you yourself as the poet are not feeling these words how are you how's your audience or your reader or any of them how are they going to feel your words like that's one one of the compliments that i really appreciate the most like you said you know you you went on a journey i took you on a journey um you know i have people who who said you know i i couldn't i couldn't help but feel what you were laying down you know and and i think that that's yes the words are, are fun but it's the way that they're delivered the passion that they're delivered with and just like music just like a song You know, there are parts where you want to repeat. There are parts where you want to just kick back and let the solo happen. There are parts where you just want the rhythm going on. There's parts where you want the big spectacle to happen. And it's just like that in poetry, you know, as well.
0: All right. So I want to go back to the unlucky in love. I I hope you didn't think I forgot about that. Let's talk about that. Why do you say that? Why do you say that about yourself?
1: Uh, I'm not like other boys. Tell me more. I don't know, I'm just I I've always been a very free spirit um and I'm also pretty chaotic and kind of random. Like I said earlier, I lived my whole life very organically. Uh and that does not always lend well to interpersonal relationships. <laughs> um and I mean, I kind of I I I love everybody. Some people just don't get it. And that's, you know, kind of how I I've gotten myself in trouble but I've also shared a lot of amazing energy with a lot of amazing people. Um huh. and there were a couple people who were really good to me and you know, I wanted to stick out with them, but they had a different version of life than I did. You know, okay. they wanted kids in the family or they wanted um, you know, to live in a big city or, you know, like I'm currently in my van, like driving around California and loving it. Like I, I cooked myself some breakfast and opened the back door and sat at the beach today, you know? And so I'm, and I'm always kind of on the go. And that's, you know, people want stability. People want that anchor. And I'm I'm not an anchor. I'm a ship.
0: <laughs> so I've heard um, this phrase, you don't belong to anyone. And when you start talking to me about being free and loving everybody, is that more of what you're talking about? Like, you know, I am here, but I am spending time with this person, but that doesn't mean I can't spend time with that person.
1: Is that what you're saying? I mean, not not necessarily. Um, I mean, I, there, I have been in relationships like that, too. Um, I've been in uh, committed, you know, monogamous relationships. Uh, but it's just a different philosophy of life, I guess. Um, And two, I have a lot of work to do on myself, you know? And that's something that not enough people are willing to admit about themselves. Um, And quite often, I don't know if it's just the relationships that I've chosen to be involved in or what calls to me or whatnot, but uh, we just get to a point where we outgrow each other, I guess. We just, we see different paths and, and I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> I guess there's that too. <laughs> well, I don't think it's just you,
0: um, Bear. I think it's life and I think it's people. People outgrow each other all the time. So Bear, what else do you have going on? Like what's up next for you now that you're in California? Are you ever gonna come back to Illinois?
1: Uh, I actually I was back there in November for I featured uh in Chicago at Billy Tuggle's spot actually. Um and that was really cool. But yeah, it's I don't I don't see coming back there again for a while unless i actually have to uh i'm i'm loving the i'm loving the west coast and like i said i just bought this camper van so uh basically my life now is going to be teaching during the semester and being a traveling performer it's not this semester, and that's that's i'm pretty happy with that (laughs) uh this summer i'm planning i'm hoping to get all the way up to alaska Uh, i have some friends up in anchorage who, who are in the forestry service And I've been wanting to get to Denali forever. Just something there, something there has been calling to me for 30 years. Uh, I've tried to get there a couple times. First time I ran out of money. Uh, Second time, um, Canada and America were uh, like feuding over fishing waters, I guess. Uh, Bush, Daddy Bush got, made them angry. I don't know what happened, but the ferries weren't running because they would have had to go five miles out to go avoid Canadian fishing waters. And so they just closed down the ferries. So I wasn't able, I, I ended up spending like a week on the Olympic Peninsula instead, which wasn't horrible either. So, but, um, so I mean, I, I'm just going to travel and perform and I have my, uh, lifetime veterans pass to get into all the national parks. and Sounds like a pretty okay life to me. <laughs>
0: Sounds like a pretty okay life to me, too. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share today?
1: Just, it's find your passion. Find your passion and live it. And, I mean, if you have to work along the way to pay the bills, just keep in perspective that that's what it is. And if life is just weighing you down and you don't think you're ever going to get out of it, Just know that you have already overcome the most difficult thing you've ever experienced and you can do it again and find something, whether it's poetry or music or Netflix or whatever cat, you know, adopt a cat, do something, just find something to live for and, and live your passion and just be you. Don't listen to when people tell you, don't be yourself. Even if it gets you stuffed in lockers, get your nose broken and things like that. (laughs)
0: Well, Bear, I'm so glad that poetry saved you, and I'm able to sit here and talk to you and share some of your experiences today.
1: And I want to thank you and NPR for doing this. This has been how long? Like two years now you've been doing this?
0: Yeah, it started the year of the pandemic in August, so we're going on three years.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing. And I just... Again, I can't stress enough that there are people who are alive today because spaces like this were available yesterday. So thank you, NPR. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Poetically Yours, for doing doing good work. This this is, to me, this is God's work, and thank oh, you. Oh,
0: thank you so much. Now, tell the people how they can, what are your socials? Like if they wanted to purchase your books and things like that, how could they do that?
1: Okay. Uh, I Everything is on Linktree. Everyone's doing it. Uh do a Google search for Linktree Changeling Studios. Changeling Studios. Uh so you can find me Changeling Studios on YouTube, Changeling Studios on LinkTree, uh Changeling Studios on IG. Um, and I perform under two names. I perform as poet uh propaganda poet and I perform uh music as Oso Lobo. But that's all there in the the Linktree and the YouTube. Or like my central, and I'm here, the central places to find me. And, you- and all the links for, I have an online shop that's, uh you can get through the Linktree.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's say I go to Le- Linktree, what do I put in to search for you?
1: Uh, if you just, in Google, just search Linktree, Change Studios. And that should go right to my page.
0: Okay. And Change links, spell that for me. Make sure I'm hearing change,
1: you right. Yeah, change C H A N G E Ling L I N G, Changeling Studios. A changeling is a, a a mythological figure that uh it wasn't really a shapeshifter or a skinwalker like a werewolf or things like it was more a cha- It was a, a nymph or a dryad or a fairy. It was all like fae type creatures. That's what a changeling.
0: Like. I got it. So it's link tree. Change Link Studios. I got it and has all this, uh, has everything here. Oh, okay. Now I learned something new today. I've heard of Linktree, but I've never thought to use it. So it has like all your little places to um, contact you with all the links here. Okay.
1: Linktree is awesome and it's super easy to use. I am not not a technological person at all, Uh, but it's easy to use and it's a great central place to put all your stuff if you are not tech sa- if you're not tech savvy linktree is amazing great place okay. for it i you know i i don't have the money or the patience to get a website i know i need one uh but i'm just not good at that stuff so this is an excellent at least and and i don't need i'm very informational like is it functional? Like, I don't need it to be pretty. I don't need it to have, like, bright lights. I just need it to be functional. And Linktree does that.
0: Yeah, cool. I see. I see it has the links for your books and things like that where people can buy it. Okay.
1: And you can either uh, – it's available on Amazon, if, on Amazon if you're outside of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're within uh, the United States borders, you can order it directly from me, and I'll ship it to you. Uh, that's its all there on that Linktree
0: When I see the YouTube videos, okay, cool. I'll make sure that our listeners know how to pull that information up. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. You guys still have some sunlight. It's dark here, so you probably have a couple hours of sunlight there. So you enjoy the West Coast.
1: I will, and thank you again for for. It's an honor to be a part of this, and thank you. I've been a part of this since the beginning, and I'm just so honored. Yes, you have.
0: What a delightful conversation. Bear certainly took me on a journey, and I hope he did the same for you. Check out more poetry by Bear Wolf and others right here on WNIJ.org. Catch Poetically Yours every Friday at 1231 p.m. and 618 p.m. on 89.5 WNIJ and at 359 p.m. on 90.5 WNIU. Special thanks to the Nick Monty Trio Band for providing the music for this podcast. For Poetically Yours, I'm Yvonne Bruce.